Welcome back to Common Sense Fantasy Baseball. I'm Drew. I'm here tonight with Max Freeze. Max, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Drew. I appreciate uh, talking, having me on to talk some baseball with you and um, ready to get started. All right. Well, you're on Twitter at Freeze Stats, F-R-E-E-Z-E. And um, I know you have your blog, Freeze Stats, and I've, I've checked that out. Um, you've tweeted some really interesting stuff about you know, how home runs can be sort of justified or earned, I think is the word you use. Can you tell us a little bit about that specifically and just sort of your writing and, and your blog in general? Yeah, um, so, so I started my blog about two years ago uh, after the 2017 offseason um, just to kind of – I was doing so much fantasy baseball research at that time that um, there was just no reason to not to just start start something and, and write some information down uh, for people. And it's kind of evolved from there, and I do rankings, and I was doing projections for a while, but um, I kind of got away from projections this year uh, and started looking at things like um, my earned home run metric uh, basically what that is, uh, it's a metric that I developed that measures the number of home runs a player earned during a season. So it's like an expected stat, uh, basically. Um, it's more descriptive than predictive, but I have looked at uh, like 2018 to 2019 and how it correlates. And it seemed to be a little bit better um, than just using home run per plate appearance or home run um, per fly ball if I use my earned home run metric. Uh, per plate appearance or per uh, fly ball, it, it did uh, correlate a little bit better, but that's kind of inconclusive. So um, <laughs> hopefully it's a little bit more predictive because um, the main uh, component of the, the metric is StatCast barrel metric. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you're familiar with, with the, the barrel metric, um, but it is the best quality of contact measure of quality of contact that we have in the game today. And it's, you know, it, I think um, Alex Chamberlain and Al Melchior had had a a study out and it actually turns out that barrels per batted ball event and barrels per plate appearance are actually uh, more predictive and correlate better year to year than any other power metric. And so that's the reason I wanted to incorporate it into this metric. More, more predictive of hitting home runs or not just more predictive of what your barrel rate will be the next year. Right. 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 And so, um, you know, basically, I think some of the the components that I what I do with it is I look at the league average barreled home run per barrel, if that makes sense. So I take every home run that was a barrel and divide it by the total number of barrels. And that's your uh, the league average right. home run per barrel rate. And that came just under 60 percent this year. And that varies year to year based on the ball. And that's how you, part of the reason you can tell the ball was juiced, uh, or at least the drag was was decreased this year. Because if you look at 2018, that home run per barrel rate was down to about 54, 55 percent. Um, so it, it was significantly different. And actually, in 2017, it was over 61 percent. So you can kind of see the fluctuations in the ball just by looking at that metric. Um, and so what I do is I regress all of the hitters uh, back to that league average home run per barrel rate. And then also incorporate league average non-barreled home runs. So those are the home runs that are, that have that have been hit with a quality of contact that's uh, not quite as good as a barrel. So like a solid contact, for instance. Um, and that's actually pretty stable year to year. Around twenty percent of home runs are non-barreled home runs. Um, and so I, those are the two main components. With uh, the home run per barrel rate is heavily weighted 
compared to the non-barreled home runs. And then I incorporate things like fly ball direction. Uh, so like a player's pulled fly ball rate, uh, fly balls to center, fly balls to the opposite field. Those vary quite a bit in, in how a player, um, what their uh, probability of hitting a home run is because pulled fly ball is significantly, you have a much higher probability of hitting a home run on a pulled fly ball than anywhere else on the field. So that plays into it. Um, I then look at exit velocities on line drives and fly balls to all fields for a player. And then I incorporate my um, home run park factors as well into the equation. Wow. And so that I kind of mix that in and, and uh, give them certain weights and that spits out the earned home run for a player. Well, just so people can sort of think of this um, sort of in the form of a couple takeaways. Mm-hmm. I, I think I noticed um, maybe Jose Brown the top of a list and um, yeah. you know, maybe can you talk about him and maybe a couple other guys that um, you, you notice, I, I think the, the idea was that he earned more than uh, the home runs that he actually um, achieved in 2019. Right. Right. So he hit 33 home runs last year on 63 barrels. Um, wow. yeah. that, that's a 47.6% home run per barrel rate, which is, as I mentioned, the average was just about 60. So it's significantly below the league average. And he also had a low number of non-barreled home runs. And his park that he hits in uh, in Chicago is actually favorable for home runs. And so he really didn't see all the benefits that he should have. And based on this equation of mine, he should have hit almost 47 home runs. Um, and so that's, you know, that's one that, that he really underperformed based on my metric. Um, and so those are kind of the components that I look at. Um, if I'm trying to find, um, those are the guys who are like outliers and those are the guys I want to target for next year. Um, another, another player that showed up on there was CJ Cron. He was another guy who barreled a ton of balls, 53 barrels on only 25 home runs. So we have 45.3 home run percent home run per barrel rate. So he's another guy who earned almost 40 home runs, but only hit 25. Um, you know, and, and so I, I kind of factor those those in. And, and like I said, because it's more descriptive than predictive, I look at the outliers on both ends when I'm looking at the player for next year. I don't look at the guys in the middle who may have outperformed their home run rate by or a home run total by three or four. Uh, it's probably not going to be that significant. There's there's enough variance in there that it's not going to be significant. But it is those outliers are the ones I want to look at for next year. All right. Well, I want to. Um... Just say if anybody's listening and they're not following all this, I'm probably not either. So <laughs> I want to apologize to you and apologize to all the listeners if I ask stupid questions. But with with Abreu and uh, Crone was the other one I think you, you mentioned. Yeah. I, I can kind mm-hmm. of let and see. Okay, well that's you know they're they're you know less than fifty percent for Crone um, of the barrels that he hit actually translated into home runs, and that that sort of makes sense that he would have some sort sort of positive regression. I can't quite get to the exact number that you get to, and I know you said a lot of the other stuff that goes into that. Uh, but one guy I wanted to ask about specifically mm-hmm. is uh, Mookie Betts, because he hit 52 barrels, yeah. so only one fewer barrel than Crone. But you have sort of a – I guess the calculus is a little a little bit different for him for the expected home runs. Or, well, no, you have 37 expected for him and, and 38 and a half for Crone. So I guess that's – I would think it would be sort of one-to-one with the barrels, but I know you said a lot of other stuff right. that goes into it. So can you sort of yeah. explain that for Betts? Um, yeah, absolutely. So the, the the difference with Betts is that his park is – Fenway Park, his former home, uh, is actually very poor for um, 
home runs. It's it's even it's it's interesting because you would think with the the short you know it's got the the short uh, green monster the distance is not very far but um, you've got to hit the ball extremely high to get it over it gotcha. and so even though he's crushing these barrels they turn into you know long singles or doubles because they hit off the monster in center field it's very deep uh, there's interesting dimensions out there and so that becomes kind of like a triples alley so it's difficult to hit home runs out to center and even uh, right center is extremely deep as well so. Fenway is one uh, is a park that that scored fa- uh, unfavorably in my home run park factors. It's it's like bottom five, and so that's why he was um, you know docked a little bit, even though he underperformed. I factor in that home park, and it really knocked him down. And it actually turns out that he pulled um, he pulled his fly balls at a lower percentage than league average, and for players to really maximize their power, they're going to want to pull their fly balls. Um, and so that's another factor against him from last year. That's really interesting that um, Fenway would would hurt him, but I can I can sort of understand that when you sort of explain it. That well, first of all, he's he's a righty, so he's hitting into the monster, and he's probably hits more line drives than a lot of guys. And um, one thing that I never really realized about Mookie until this year, when I was kind of looking into, you know, why did he only have twenty nine home runs on fifty two barrels, mm-hmm. um, is that he. Is, is really at least this year he was a big time spray hitter he didn't he didn't pull the ball as much as you might think for right a guy who's you know what five nine and, and not you know this hulking dude right um, but but still pulled with a lot of power and um only in the last week have i put put two and two together i guess because of the trade that um that like you said fenway has a really deep center field wall um, mm-hmm. And so he had a lot of deep doubles to center field that uh, it looks to me like in uh, the Dodgers stadium will be out, um, will be home runs. So, yeah, you're 100 percent right on that. Um, Dodgers stadium is actually number one for home runs to center field. That, um, that's that's fascinating. For, uh, yeah. if, if Mookie keeps up his spray profile, that's going to be um that could be really, really interesting for this year. You know, you could see him flirt with 35 to 40 instead of his usual just right around or just over 30. Or Right. I think I think you're right. I, I heard someone, and I can't remember who it was, but was talking about how he he's adjusted his batted ball profile just on, on how he wants to hit hmm. and from year to year. And so, like you said last year, he wasn't pulling as many fly balls like he did the previous year when he hit a career high home runs. And, um, and last year he was hitting the ball, you know, like you're saying, to all fields. That could, if he keeps that approach, it's it's going to greatly uh, help him for next year for his home runs, in my opinion. Well, that's pretty fascinating. Um, was there anybody else that jumped out at you, either on the the good side or the bad side? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to. Alex Bregman's an enigma, an enigma to me, um, and we don't need to get into it too much. He pretty much outperforms this metric. I've gone back a few years on this metric, and he's he's outperformed it every year this year to an extreme. Um, so I think some of that was the juiced ball, um, but getting away, you know, just touching on Astros, a lot of the right-handed pull hitters, uh, are taking advantage of those Crawford boxes, but also, uh, I think took advantage of the juice ball, you know, getting an extra 10 feet on their pulled fly balls, gave them an extra handful of home runs or whatever. So I think that's, that's part of it. Um, a guy like Eduardo Escobar is, is someone I'm fading quite a bit. Um, it's not that he outperformed his home run per barrel rate all that much, but he had, uh, I think like 11 or 12 non-barreled home runs, which is uh, extremely high. 
um, for, for a player. Typically, a, a guy who's going to hit 30 home runs is going to have uh, maybe a handful of non-barreled home runs. I think he had like 12. So um, he's a guy that I'm fading. I don't, and then if the, the stat cast metrics back that up as well, uh, I don't think he's going to be anywhere near uh, 35 home runs next year. I love that you mentioned those two because those are two guys I've been fascinated with because they hit the ball in the air. Um, they hit, they pull the ball a lot, but they don't hit the ball extremely mm-hmm. hard. And of course, you know, they had 35 and 41 home runs this year. And um, I was doing something interesting just today. I was on StatCast and I was searching for um, fly balls and line drives um, and, and just getting the exit, the average exit velocity that, um, that guys hit hit those with and for anybody who had hit over 250 in 2019 there were only 18 players with um rafael devers average exit velocity mm-hmm. on those 257 results was uh over 96 miles per hour and um mm-hmm. bringing up the rear david fletcher's 259 results averaged 86.6 miles per hour so you can <laughs> see why he doesn't hit many home runs and right. um, and and both bregman and uh, Escobar were in this group and um, you know the the interesting thing is <clears throat> they had almost lead you know I think Escobar does lead the group with 313 line drives and fly balls mm. but he's towards the bottom with an average 91.4 mile per hour exit velocity and Bregman's only a little bit better 272 results 92.3 miles per hour on average and um mm-hmm. So I started playing around with this some different ways. And, you know, one thing is you can see, well, how many of these results? Um, so, you know, you can sort it by results and then how many of them are over 95 miles per hour and then how many are over 98 miles per hour. And it was funny, um, you know, when you even cut it off at 95 miles per hour, those guys drop way down. They're not at the top mm-hmm. anymore in the number of results right. um, because they're hitting it. So they're hitting so many of these so often that they're getting just, you know, I think they're getting just enough volume that they, they come out with those, uh, you know, 30 plus results where they hit it just hard enough to go over the fence. <laughs> right. And, yes. and, you know, so, so Mookie was really interesting to me in this too, because he's kind of like the same idea, but five miles per hour harder. So he was mm-hmm. at the top of the list after I think I got to 95 miles per hour. I don't have it right in front of me, but um, and, no, you're right. And then when I when I bumped it up to 98 or 100, he fell down as well. And guys like Jorge Soler moved to the top. So it, it all makes perfect sense, and it's exactly what we would predict. But um, you know, I, I wonder what that means. One one thing that I wanted to ask you about is something I heard you say on another podcast. I think you're on um, Bench for the Bow, if I'm not mistaken, and you said um, that not all barrels are created equal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, did I get that reference right? Was that, was you talking to Bubba when you I, said that? Yeah, I believe that's what I said. <laughs> so, so, you got it. So, so my question or my thought, you know, along that line was what, what is the difference? Um, is it, is it just sort of what I've keyed in on here with the, the exit velocity or uh, as yeah. you're answering this question, you know, what, what jumps out at me from the list I'm looking at right now is, is Rafael Devers. So with 257 results that average 96 plus miles per hour, I'm surprised Devers didn't get to 40 home runs personally. Yeah, I think with Devers, his uh, his is more of a launch angle. Not I don't want to call it an issue because um, obviously line drives are great for batting average, um, but he hits a lot of lower line drives. And 
as we were just talking about, especially in Fenway Park, they've got high walls pretty much everywhere except for right field. Um, those are not going to be home runs. Those are going to be doubles off the wall um, or triples in the alley. So um, he's a guy that absolutely does crush the ball. And he actually went nuts, I think, May through um, the end of the year. He, he hit all of – I don't think he had a home run until May, May 1st. And he hit all of his home runs from that point on and hit over 30 home runs. So, I mean, he, he is kind of becoming that monster. And so I think you, we, we will probably see a career best season from him in terms of power. I think he's developing that as we speak, but I do think he has, he hits a lot of line drives extremely hard and that might just be the reason why his home run total is a little bit lower. Same, would expect. same issue as Mookie from the other side of the plate. That's interesting. Um, I, yes. I just noticed that I, again, you know, I'm just sort of like trying to sleuth my way into, you know, putting all these pieces together and, and yeah, Devers to more extent than I even realized is also a spray header. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking yep. since he was a lefty, maybe the stadium wouldn't hurt him as bad and he does have a lot of home runs to right field, but, um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of, um, well, a lot of doubles, I assume, to center field and stuff like that, too. So that makes right. a lot of sense. Back to your, your question about the barrels not being created equal. I just want a quick example of looking at like a right hand, just right handed hitters in general over the last three years. Their home run per barrel rate on pulled fly balls or on pulled barrels is 75.8%. So that's extremely high. That's much higher than league average. Those same right handed hitters. Uh, their home run per barrel rate to center is 42.3%, significantly mm. lower. Obviously, you have deeper dimensions, yeah. so that makes sense. And then to the opposite field, it's 49.6% home run per barrel. So it's clear that pulling the ball is, um, you know, even though those are all considered barrels, not all of them had the same results. Gotcha. Pulling the ball, pulling a barrel is the the best kind of batted ball type that you can that you that a that a hitter can can um, generate and get the best results from, and that's why you see guys like Bregman and Escobar having success last year, especially with the ball the way it was. Both of them pulled the ball eight or nine percent in the air more frequently than league average. So they're you know and they're pretty good. They they have pretty good. I mean Bregman's got one of the best hit tools in the game, but Escobar also has a pretty good hit tool. And I think if you can control the bat that way, and that's how they can gain their advantage is by uh, hitting more home runs than league average because they're pulling more. And so that's kind of, you know, my thought on these barrels that aren't created equal. And I'm kind of digging in as well, you know, looking at you know, the players that hit the ball in over 105 miles an hour and the ones who barrel the ball under 105 miles an hour and see if there's a difference there. So I'm kind of playing around with different things to see um, if anything sticks, if any players pop out to me or, or things like that. Gotcha. Well, you know, so speaking, you know, staying on the theme of, of all barrels not being created equal and, and pulled barrels being much, much more likely to go for a home run, uh, you know, almost almost certain to go for a home run. I think you said 78% or something. So, so mm-hmm. more often than not, they, they certainly do. Um, how does that translate to fading Bregman or Escobar? You just don't think that they can um, sort of do that consistently? Yeah, I think just even considering their uh, elevated pull rate, and that's what I try to incorporate in my earned home run equation. So a guy like Bregman is getting a boost in my earned home run metric because he pulls so many fly balls. So I'm already incorporating that into my equation, and he's still overperforming. Um, and then I'm including 
his home park, which is also favorable for home runs. Gotcha. So I am including those in, and he still comes out as a favorable hitter. So to me, he's just overperforming. Okay, so who's an ex- that 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 clarifies it a little for me? Who's an mm-hmm. example of somebody like that who has the same profile, I guess, as Escobar or Bregman? but isn't really overperforming um, whether they just have, sure. have power like those two guys and they hit 20 home runs or, you know, whether they have uh, a lot more power. And so, so therefore a lot more barrels. Yeah. One of the extreme examples is Marcelo Zuna. Okay. Um, so last year he pulled 33.6% of his fly balls and league average is 24%. Wow. Um, so he pulled significantly more fly balls uh, his home run per barrel rate was almost league average, which is great, but he had zero non-barreled home runs, um, which is an outlier to me. And that's partially because his park is, or his former park, Bush Stadium, is very poor for home runs. So he was, he should have outperformed based on my equation because of how, the number of pulled fly balls he had, and he actually underperformed. Wow. So. So I think he's a guy who's going to bust out, even though he's going to a pretty neutral park in Atlanta. I still think he's going to take uh, another step and, and could easily reach 35 home runs this year. Uh, this must this may be too much, but it, is there an example of a guy who hits the ball more like Bregman or Escobar that comes to mind that that is also a very pull heavy hitter? Because I would expect that person to hit more like 20 to 25 home runs. Yeah. Um, off the top of my head. What about like an Albies? Albies, uh, do a little bit of searching here real quick. Um, so Albies. Cause he came up on my list as, as, um, having a pretty large number of results. Let's see. Yeah. 302, um, hmm. line drives or fly balls. Maybe, maybe part of the problem here is that I'm not differentiating from line drives and fly balls. He may be very line drive heavy or something. So, sure, um, he he does he does put a ton of balls in play. Uh, he's a high contact guy, and he doesn't pull. He at least last year he didn't pull a high percentage of his fly balls. And because his um, quality of contact isn't elite or very, I mean it's good. It's just not elite or very good. He falls on the negative side based on my metric. He, he, um, he actually overperformed okay. uh, last year hmm. based on this metric. Well, that's really interesting. Uh, one, other, one last thing I wanted to ask you about uh, the metric mm-hmm. is I think I saw another article where you compared it to something that Alex Chamberlain does. Yes. yes. Can you tell just a little bit about that or, or what, I guess just interesting findings from it, maybe more than explaining the methodology because I don't want people to right. get lost. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I, I won't, I won't explain the, the methodology, but he did a deserved barrel rate, which is kind of like an expected barrel rate. So it's kind of similar methodology. Um, and so what I wanted to do is look at his deserved barrels, use those numbers that he had and plug them in basically to my equation because I'm just using actual barrels. So if I want to use his deserved barrel rate, it's going to, it's going to change my numbers Um, and it might, it might make certain guys, you know, even out a little bit, maybe someone who outperformed might come back down based on his deserved barrel. Maybe he, maybe his metrics saw something that he, he had, you know, he should have had 10 less barrels last year. Well, if I plug that into my equation, then this, this player's home runs actually make sense based on the, the actual results. So I did that. Um, you know, I looked at, and then I, the guy I mentioned, CJ Pran, actually, uh, he, his, Alex Chamberlain's deserved barrel had him lower. 
And so when I plugged in the deserved barrels into my equation, Kron was no longer a, a major outlier. Hmm. He still outperformed or underperformed, but not significantly. So I'm trying to use both because both metrics are more descriptive than predictive. I think his might be a little more predictive. But if, we use, if I use them together, I can really find those outliers because now I'm using, I'm pulling two metrics together and finding the real outliers based on, you know, all the research that, that he's done and then what I've done as well. Wow. Well, I love, I love the work. I, I know you're going to continue to find interesting things as, as I do when I'm playing around with StatCast and then maybe don't exactly know how to <laughs> categorize it or in my brain. Or, or There's so much information on there, honestly. Like I, I even have a hard time grasping all of it because it's just, they, they come out with new stuff all the time. And it really just takes time to play around with it. So, I mean, it is, it's a lot to take in, but they have a ton of information on there. Yeah, I think the more we all just sort of keep talking about it, the more we're going to figure out over time. But uh, uh, right. I really like that you're doing that. Um, well, and, you know, I told you sort of what I've been doing, I guess, about going through the ADP. But um, mm -hmm. maybe before we get to that, uh, I, I asked you for some of the guys that you were targeting um, sort of in the first couple hundred picks of the draft. And mm -hmm. – uh, and I want to just see if we can get a good player debate going um, sure. before we, you know, try to just get into the the regular ADP talks. And mm -hmm. uh, one guy you you tossed out as a as a target was Oscar Mercado. Um, and so I, 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 you know, I, a lot of the guys you're targeting, I really like, and I, I'm, I'm targeting them too. And I have drafted Oscar Mercado as well. Mm -hmm. I have kind of stopped because he's been pushed up high enough. Let's see, I've got the last month or so up he has gone as early as pick 92 and his latest he's gone as 126 and he's going 106th on average so okay i guess i was just going to clarify before we get into a big argument <laughs> are, <laughs> are you in at that price at 106 overall or so 105 yeah I, I actually so i didn't realize he actually moved up that much uh, i just came out with my top 100 mm -hmm. Um, and he came in at like 98, 99. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that, that's not that I, I like him there, but I was thinking he was going in the more 115, 120 range. So he's been jumping. I mean, he has. So, <laughs> so what's that? One Oh, or so one Oh six would be like the very, very beginning of round eight. So he's mm -hmm. obviously yeah. gone earlier than that in a 15, right. in a 15 teamer. And, um, I, mm -hmm. I want to say I got him. A couple, you know, maybe it was a month ago. I got him in in round nine, or, nine or so, or certainly later in round eight. And obviously, he's going. He's gone as early as pick ninety two, which is almost right round um, six. So, or you know, early round seven. Uh, yeah, if I'm doing my math correctly. So, um, just kind of before getting into the specifics of why you like him, is where you, you said pick ninety eight. Is that? Um, that's overall, that's, that's sort of yeah. where you have him valued. So um, I just, you know, cause I wanted to be a little prepared. I did a quick, um, I just grabbed the dollar value off of um, fan graphs for the ATC mm -hmm. projections. And I saw him in like the one thirty something range uh, for, for ATC. So I guess that might be a good place to start. And that's okay. just like, do you, do you see more than ATC or how, how do you, um, how do you do your rankings and, and what do you project for Mercado? Yeah, I, I, I do, um, you know, differentiate from uh, those projections from time to time. I mean, I do, they're, they're a great baseline. Sure. Sure. Um, 
but you know, a lot of times with the younger players, they just don't have a lot of information to go off of. A lot of times they'll use three-year historical data, and they just don't have that. I feel like um, I've heard someone smart say, I don't know if it was Jeff Zimmerman or somebody like that, that they tend to, to overestimate the projections on older players and underestimate the projections on younger players. I, don't, I mean, right. obviously that's not a, you know, something that you can quantify. Uh, well, I'm sure Jeff can, but like, it's not something that you can you know, take to the bank every time with every player. But in a, in a general sense, I think you know, it, it makes sense to me because they're going on historical data and as players, gets old, as players get older, they're, um, they're not going to do as well as they've done in the past. And as players are younger, they um, uh, oftentimes make improvements over what they've done in the past. Right. Right. So I, I'm not a projections guy either, uh, per se. I, I do like to start with it. Um, and, mm -hmm. and if you have a similar method, maybe you can just talk about how you've adjusted Mercado in this case. Yeah. You know, so, I, you know, he's a guy that he's a little bit of a late bloomer. He's actually already 25. Mm -hmm. And so he just saw his first taste of the big league last year. Uh, and this, if you look at the StatCast metrics, they're not great. You know, you're not like, oh, my gosh, they're jumping off the page. They're actually pretty poor. But so it's funny that I've, I've been talking about using barrels and the StatCast metrics. And to most of the most of the time, that makes a lot of sense. But when I look at a guy like Mercado, um, he's got a lot of positives that I like and not just with StatCast. He's got a really high contact rate. Um, he hits his contact in the zone is 4% better than league average. That's really good for a young player to be above average in that. Uh, and his chase rate slightly better than league average. And I think as players get older, they improve uh, their chase rate. They don't chase pitches outside the zone as often. So I could see growth in his strikeout rate. Um, it already was at 17.4%. I could actually see that dropping next year. And, you know, from there, his batting average could go up. And they're, they're going to likely bat him second. They did almost the entire season last year after they called him up. And so hitting between Lindor and Ramirez and Santana is a great spot for runs of course and even some rbis um i didn't notice any platoon splits he can hit righties and lefties just fine and his sprint speed's in the 97th percentile so he's extremely fast he stole as many bases as 50 in 2015 in the minors and was regularly between like 35 and, and 40 um and his success rate was good last year he only stole 15 in 115 games and the projections have him around 21 22 and I just think that's a little bit low given his speed. He's actually slightly faster than uh, Victor Robles, who's actually a pretty good comp for uh, Mercado. And Robles is going about 40 picks earlier. And I, if I look at those two guys, I see they're nearly identical players. And I actually think Mercado might have a little bit more upside given his contact rates. So, you know, if I'm weighing my options of Robles in round five or Mercado in round eight, I'm going to go Mercado every time. I think he's... I think the power, he may have maxed out his power. He's not probably a 15 to 18 guy, 15 home runs. Um, but I do think he's got 30 steal potential. And if that average comes up, uh, I think he's definitely a guy that can provide a little bit of power, a lot of speed, and a ton of runs with good batting average. I like it. It all makes sense to me. Um, and I, I was probably on that same train. I, I will say you're, you're, you're right to sort of – not projects too too much power um i mean i just you know <laughs> for sure I, I've, I've i've noticed you know some things in the statcast profile that that really uh, almost shocked me the other day you know like mm -hmm. I, I noticed the first thing i noticed which i don't know how predictive this is was that his his the longest home run he hit last year was 407 feet 
that was that yeah. was the number one longest. So I was like, man, you know, that's uh, that's kind of scary. And then you you look at the the thing I was talking about earlier, line drives and and fly balls, and he had 183, which is a good number, especially in 115 games. Um, but the average um, exit velocity was 90.9 miles per hour. So comparing unfavorably to uh, you know the guys we were talking about earlier and um, you know even you know, like Freddie Galvis, Brendan Belt, Jason Hayward, Ozzie Albies. So, so you know, I definitely wouldn't plan on him hitting twenty plus uh, right. anytime soon. And uh, you know, fifteen is probably probably reasonable. I do, I, I, you know, I did kind of watch watch him hit some, and I, I do think you're right that he he could be a pretty good hitter. Um, it's really hard to predict batting average, of course, but um, if I had to take the over or under on ATC's two sixty one, I'd take the over. So I, I kind of agree there. Where I wanted to push back is um, stolen bases. Um, okay. The the interesting thing is if you if you if you believe the twenty one that ATC has, which is actually less than Steamer's twenty three, um, or you know if you believe either of those, really, uh, that's how he's coming out as a player that's maybe more in like the hundred and thirty something range. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, interestingly enough, uh, ATC values have him uh, tied with Adam Eaton. So hmm. that's just an interesting comp because they're both going to hit towards the top of the lineup. You would think they're both going to score a lot of runs, but they're both going to be drains and power and RBI. Um, and they're both going to have a good batting average with Eaton's being a little better, but Oscar Mercado having more speed. So they're actually pretty, pretty similar values. If you think about it, unless you believe Oscar Mercado is going to steal 30 something bases. And so the, what, what jumped out to me and, and this hadn't really before I, I was just thinking of ways I could, I could uh, sort of talk to you about this is what, I mean, what's the most stolen bases you would guess that he had in a month? And this may be an easy question, I guess, since he only had 15 um, in in the four months, but, but I would guess five. Yeah, it was actually four. He had four um, in June and then three each of the following three months. And Mm. and he had had two in May and a partial month, but, but so that was, that was sort of surprising to me because, you know, like, I looked at Mondesi had 12 one month and Trey Turner had eight or nine a couple months. And even Victor Robles had uh, seven in March, April and um, like six and two other months. So just not having a, a big, uh, you know, just sort of breakout in speed does kind of make me wonder if, you know, you see a lot of these guys. I, I feel like I see this a lot where a guy will steal 50 bases in the minors, like, Yohan Mankata did it <laughs> and then they come to the majors and then you just really don't see them run like that. And a lot of it can be team dependent. And I, I must admit, I, I feel like yeah. the Indians are a really good team for him to be on. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, guys like, uh, you know, Jack Peterson and George Springer, uh, guys that sold a bunch of bases in the minors, they didn't translate uh, to the majors when they got called up and, and they really don't steal at all anymore. Um, and so, you know, that, that is something that is a concern where you see those young players that don't get those opportunities to steal bases. Um, a lot of that is also team context. And I think the Indians are a team that is a little bit more aggressive, especially with the, the guys they have like Lindor and Ramirez. And I think I'm confident in um, Mercado, who does have very good to elite sprint speed. And he did uh, steal 15 bases on 19 attempts. So his success rate's good. I think as long as he continues to, to be successful around 75 think they're going to let him uh, run. Um, so I guess that's, I'm, I'm looking at an optimistic point of view 
um, you know, saying that as this, this rookie, they allowed him to run and he was successful. And then he's just going to take the next step. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree too much here. I think that, you know, I, my only caveat, my only sort of point against Mercado is that we haven't yet seen him, seen him steal in the majors like we have with Robles or certainly not with, you know, Trey Turner or somebody like that. No, I, I shouldn't even really mention Trey Turner because you're not saying that he's going to do 40 stolen bases or anything like that. But, but, you know, with Robles, at least we had, you know, a small sample of time where he stole, you know, six or seven, you know, steals per month. And Mercado has not yet run like that in the majors. So it's, it's a, it's a minor point, but it's one where I, I feel like for me, it, it tempers my, enthusiasm about him enough to sort of be more in line with the projection and you know like like you said he's not going to hit for power so that's that's kind of what you're hoping for uh with upside so no that takes that makes a ton of sense um you know he hasn't shown it yet so you know until he actually does something he doesn't own that that skill so i i totally understand that that point of view for sure well, thanks for discussing it. I, I feel like, you know, sort of going going a little deeper like that, not that we had a long-winded debate, but uh, it, <laughs> it, it definitely sort of brings out the points that we look at when we, uh, when we, when we talk about things, um, you know, and, and kind of gives people an insight into to what goes into moving a guy up or not in your, in your rankings. It's like, you, you know, you're going to move him up a little bit more than me and, uh, you know, maybe there's – there's reasons to push back, but reasons to do what you're doing. So, uh, for sure, I like having those. Let's uh, let's get into the uh, the fifteenth round, and and maybe we can find some more uh, targets and avoids here. You so, got it. so a couple guys have moved up. Um, Joe Adele. I'm trying to remember <laughs> from when I talked to uh, to Mike of SP Streamer if if Marcus Stroman was one of our group, but he's at 208 and Adele's at 210, and it looks like Nixon Zell is falling and. I'm not sure if anybody else, but probably a relief pitcher. But we'll we'll just uh, we'll just get into that. If you, if you want to talk about any either of those guys, feel free to do so. But I'm going to go ahead and rattle off the 15th round. So sure, yeah, I, I just think uh, you know Adele's interesting at that spot. I know he's a top prospect. Um, looks like he is going to start in the minors, but um, unless the Jack Peterson trade actually goes through, uh, there's only Brian Goodwin in his way. So I think the Angels going for it, they're going to want to have their best talent up there, but. Um, I just don't know if, you know, if he's called up in May or June, is that is his current spot? Is that, you know, a risk that you want to take to have a guy sit on your bench? And then maybe he even gets, you know, held back even longer if he struggles in AAA. So, um, you know, I like the talent. I just don't know if I'm willing to take that risk at that spot. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, I had Kyle Tucker on my main event team last year and I had, had to deal with that. And it's just, it's, it's tough. I mean, mm. you, you really, you're kind of, losing a little something, not having a bench spot for a couple months. And then of course you, if you have the Kyle Tucker treatment, he might not come up when you think he will. And, and then of course there's still risk for a guy who's never played in the majors. Um, however small it is, you know, with a top prospect like that, but um, right. you, you just never know. And it's just in a, in a 15 team league or a 12 team league, um, you know, with a 30 man roster, it's hard to, hard to deal with that for a month or two even, but yeah, um, absolutely. All right, well, let's let's see uh, if we can find a, a better target here in the next uh, 15 picks. So, uh, 211, we've got Omar Nervaez at 212, Carson Kelly, 213, Nick Senzel, 214, Jack Peterson, 215, Miles Mikolas, 216, Colton Wong, 
217 Rugnet Odor, 218 Jorge Alfaro, 219 Jose Arquiti, 220 Justin Upton, 221 Eric Hosmer, 222 Scott Oberg, 223 Nick Anderson, 224 Abasayal Garcia, and 225 Joey Lucchesi. So what do you think about this uh, group of 15 here? Yeah, I, I think uh, there's four four names that jump out to me in uh, Rugnet Odor, Jose Urquidy, Justin Upton, and Avisel Garcia. Um, I think those guys are nice values at this spot. I, I'll touch on Upton first. I mean, he, he had a completely lost season. Um, he had a, a, a toe injury, um, and then I can't remember his second injury, but he, he tried to come back, and he just never made it made it back full. Um, you know, he's not that old, and I think he's just been a consistent power bat. Uh, for many years, he actually plays really well uh, in Angel Stadium, similarly to Dodger Stadium, and maybe it's just a coincidence. The other um, LA team has a favorable center field, uh, a favorable park to for home runs to center field. But uh, LA, both LA parks are favorable for for uh, home runs to center, and Upton actually hits more than forty percent of his fly balls to center. So he's a guy that I could see making a major bounce back, uh, especially if the ball remains the same. He's He's, if he's healthy, I think he's a lock to hit 30 home runs uh, and driving a ton of runs behind Mike Trout. Um, Avisel Garcia is one that showed up on my earned home run metric underperformers. Um, his his metrics are very strong. He had a, a really good year overall um, in terms of quality of contact, but they didn't quite show up. He did have a career high 20 home runs, but uh, my metric showed he should have had closer to 27. Um, and now he moves from Tampa Bay to Milwaukee and Milwaukee is one of the top uh, six parks for home runs. So he gets a nice boost there. Uh, if he can play every day, he could uh, easily surpass 20, 25 home runs next year. Um, wow. Is there any doors? Another guy that um, is there you know, <laughs> for, for Abisayal Garcia, is there any yeah. particular reason that would cause that to happen or for, he just got unlucky? He wouldn't play? <laughs> no, unlucky? no. Oh, the, uh, um, he doesn't, he doesn't pull a whole lot of his, his fly balls. I think his launch angle is a little bit low. Yeah. So, you know, launch angle might have uh, a little bit more to do with, with some of these guys, but he's, he's a guy that, that actually pulled a very small percentage of his fly balls. Um, and in a park that's not that favorable to, for home runs, it didn't help him. Whereas Milwaukee at least is a little bit more favorable. So maybe he hits a few, uh, a few more home runs there. So that's an interesting um, point. I mean, I, I, we didn't really get into it before and we don't really have time to get into it now, but uh, you know, I do think that maybe some, maybe one of the things that makes not all barrels equal is, you know, you can have a really uh, strongly hit ball, and if it's just not quite the right launch angle, it might still count as a barrel by the, you know, the metrics that StatCast uses, but be less likely to to get out. And uh, yeah, you know, that's one I, thing that I, you know, I thought of when I saw Jose Abreu on your list because he's not a big launch angle guy, and he's you know, been been in the league long enough that I'd be really surprised if he suddenly started hitting 45 home runs. But um, yeah, you know, maybe that's my next uh, research project, because <laughs> I think you're you're right. If a guy's barrels are closer to maybe, you know, 18 or 20 degrees, they might those are closer to line drives. Whereas if a guy's hitting them 28 to 30 degrees on average or, or majority of the time, maybe he gets the most out of them. So that's a good I said earlier, there's there's a zillion things we could we could <laughs> yeah. add to it. Uh, you were right. you're going to say something about Odor, I believe. Odor, you know, he's still pretty young, and and he's multiple thirty home run seasons. Uh, he steals double digit bases every year. His batting average is all over the place. Um, so he's one of those just super inconsistent players as far as like his batting average. 
um, because his metrics or, or his, uh, his plate discipline is just really poor. But he's actually been improving a little bit uh, as the years have gone on, even though his batting average was extremely low last year. I think he bounces back, you know, still maybe like a 240 type hitter. Uh, but he's basically a lock if he plays every day to hit 30 home runs and steal about 12 bases. And at this point in the draft, that's kind of like free money as long as you have some batting average locked up at that point. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. I don't, I don't know that I've drafted him, but I, I'm really interested because his barrel rate just pretty much doubled last year. Um, yeah, he, he hit the ball hard. He's a guy that, that has not really particularly shown a lot of improvement in his first four years of his career as a very, very young player. Or I said four, however many years it's been. And, um, and yet, you know, that was a big improvement. It didn't come with a lot of batting average, but uh, no. he's definitely, if you can somehow plan around him, I would almost prefer him, you know, with the second base eligibility and the 35 10 or even maybe 35 15 upside. I would almost prefer him to like Joey Gallo if you're just going to, um, you know, have one guy that's just a complete batting average suck. But I, yeah. I haven't built a team that way yet, but uh, he's definitely intriguing. Yeah, he pulls a lot of his fly balls. He's another one who kind of underperformed his metrics last year because he, he went nuts. He had 47 barrels. So he actually, I mean, I think he sells out, and that's part of his problem. He hits a lot of pop-ups, um, a lot of weekly hit balls. But when he does connect, he does, you know, he, he does hit a long way. So he's, you know, you're going to have to deal with the ups and downs with him. He's not going to, he's going to be streaky. And that's what you, you know, you just have to deal with that if you draft him. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, and then uh, the the other guy I liked was Jose Urquidy. Um, you know, I think we saw some flashes of him in the second half and in the playoffs with the Astros. Um, it looks like he's got a spot locked up, and that to me is huge. Um, we see what uh, the Astros can do, you know, transforming pitchers and getting the most out of them. And he shows some some really good skills last year. Um, you know, he's a, he's definitely a guy who could jump into the next tier um, if he gets a, a, a full season of starts with the Astros and. So I like I like his upside and I like his team context. So he's a guy that I'd be targeting. Um, I guess probably fourth or fifth start, probably fifth starter at this point. Um, definitely someone I'd be targeting. I agree. I, I've drafted Urquidy a few times, and uh, I think you know he showed some really positive signs last year, and um, the projections even have him for a pretty good whip this year. Um, mm. Obviously, he won't get you know, anywhere close to 200 innings. But at this point in the draft, if you can get a guy who's going to not just not hurt you, but actually help you in those those places like whip and possibly ERA and, you know, he's on the Astros, so he's going to get some wins. Uh, that's it's pretty good um, pretty good value, I think. A lot of people would probably go Mikolas here. I haven't really bought into that. I'm kind of curious about your take. I, I would, I'm not naming him as an avoid. I just haven't yeah. really dived in to – figure him out. Yeah, I think it, it depends on uh, team context, uh, kind of what you've got. If you've got a lot of uh, strikeout guys or some upside plays uh, early and you want, you know, someone who's a little bit more stable, I think Mikolas is your guy. I don't think he's going to strike out a bunch of guys, but I think his ratios are going to be fine. Uh, plays on a decent team. Uh, just kind of nothing nothing special, uh, but I think he's going to be he's going to be helpful for your ratios. He's just not going to going to help that much in, in terms of strikeouts maybe like a poor man's Kyle Hendricks I, I just yeah. I had to mention him I don't, I don't yeah most of these players I, I'm, I'm really neither targeting nor actively avoiding for a specific reason I, I, I guess I used to 
be really interested in Nick Senzel, but the outfield there yeah. is not not doing him any favors. And right, uh, what do you? Uh, another guy that I'm not really on, but I've heard people talk well about is Colton Wong. Do you have any thoughts on him? Um, I I think I'm staying away from Wong this year. He's never shown the ability. To, I think he stole 20 bases last year. He's never really been uh, a guy that that's kind of shown that type of speed, and I just don't see that repeating. He's a hard guy for, for me to trust too. Uh, you know, the the certainly the power is not there, and so mm-hmm. you know you're just kind of hoping he hits for a good average, compiles some counting stats, and steals some bases. And I don't know that I like all of those things to happen again. <laughs> no, and he he should hit and towards the bottom of the lineup for the most part. Uh, I don't think he's he's really going to crack the the top of that lineup. So I just am skeptical. I know he stole 20 bases back in 2014, but he's really uh, not shown that speed since. So I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit it, without a, another real positive skill. Uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm jumping on board with him. Other, otherwise in this round, I mean, I, I feel like you just, I don't see anything wrong with taking a shot on a lot of these players, you know, J. Jock Peterson, you know what you're getting there pretty much. Carson Kelly, uh, you know, every, I kind of like Cosmer. the catchers. <laughs> this might be where I grab a catcher. And I think these are the guys I don't, I don't want to reach on a, if I'm in a one catcher league, these are the guys I'm going for. The problem is with two catcher formats, I want to get a, a, a pretty stable catcher and then kind of take a shot later. But I don't know if these guys fit the bill there. They're like my, you know, 10th through 12th catcher. So if I'm in a, a one catcher league, this is kind of where my targets are. Well, that's interesting because uh, at the very end of last episode, I, I talked with uh, Mike about Christian Vasquez. I was actually saying, you know what? I, I think Vasquez is going to be fine this year. I don't think he's going to hit 23 home runs or whatever again, but I think, you know, he'll have 15 plus and hit for a good average. Mm-hmm. And he asked if I preferred him to Omar Nervaez. And I looked at Nervaez and I said, you know, like he, he kind of has a really shaky power profile. He, his, yeah. you know, this is again, like maybe not the best stat to throw out. I think I mentioned about Mercado, uh, but but Nervaez's uh, hardest or his, his, the longest home run he hit was 420 feet. So he's not exactly crushing balls, uh, mm. you know, 450 feet plus. Uh, pull hitter, you know, that's very limited yeah. he, upside. He he does have a, a weak power profile. He's somehow outperformed his metrics two years in a row, and I'm not sure how he's done it, like you're saying. Well, it could be, really could be Bregman-like <laughs> things, right? You know? yeah, 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 he does have a little bit of that going on. He has, you know, he doesn't strike out that much, so he has, you know, pretty good contact skills. Maybe he's he's able to, you know, kind of um, have better bat control to kind of guide the ball where he wants to go, and maybe that kind of takes away from some of his hard contact, um, but maybe kind of really gets into some of some of the balls that are in his wheelhouse but yeah. you know he's he's an enigma but i think he just kind of got a nice a nice spot in, in milwaukee so um i just think he's i would definitely have him under 15 home runs but i think he's kind of an okay safe play yeah the uh only other two to mention really are the the closers here or <laughs> the hopeful closers scott oberg and nick anderson and i just want to sort of point out that you know scott oberg's uh, you know, direction is going down. I'm sure after the Wade, yeah. Wade Davis announcement, Nick right. Anderson's you know probably going the other direction. But I, I preach caution with him too because of the way Tampa Bay uh, manages their bullpen, and there will be other guys that get saves. However, you know people were drafting Josh Hader 
in the top 10 rounds last year before he got the closer job. And um, yeah. Nick Anderson is, is almost that good of a pitcher. Yeah, his skills are are, are off the charts. Um, you know, he's definitely seems like the favorite, but I think I, I heard Alex Fast from Pitcherless say that 10 players on the Rays last year had at least one save, which is an insane number. That is pretty um, insane. <laughs> so I don't. I mean, you know, and that part of that is is just the way things kind of fell. I don't expect that to happen again. Um, but I also don't expect one guy to get 35 saves on that team. Right. Um, but Nick Anderson would be the favorite. I just don't know if I draft him thinking I'm getting 30, 35 saves. I, I think that's right. I think draft him for 15 to 20, mm-hmm. but knowing that you're going to get the strikeouts and hopefully some really good ratios. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, if, if he keeps it up, I mean, he certainly showed that last year. Um, right. I, you know, again, I think I'm just sort of not really in, not really out on any of these guys. Uh, you know, even like you said, the, um, the catchers, there's, there's nothing, if you, if that's what you need here, it's probably going to come down to team context, intrigued mm-hmm. by Odor, intrigued by Upton, but haven't gotten any of those guys. And, uh, same with Abacel Garcia. I, I really think, you know, maybe he could be, um, the problem is there's a lot of outfielders that are going to get you this like 2010 profile. Uh, you know, I don't think he's, I'm, right. I'm not sure you can pencil him in for 10 steals, but you know, he's, he's got the potential with, right. with a decent average. And, and it's just kind of, uh, you know, do I want to, do I want to sort of plan for that? Or do I want to just get a guy that can hit 30 home runs later? You know, and right. it's, it's, it's hard to, so, so I, I, I always go back to the point that, you know, we can we can talk about the players we like and the players that that we we think are going to be good to avoid, but it, it does come back to team context. So for sure. Well, thanks for going through that with me. I'll I'll let you go. I know you're coming up on time here, so we won't try to get another round in. But um, uh, thought that was interesting, even if it's not a particularly uh, intriguing round. Um, <laughs> tell tell everybody uh, sort of what else you got going on and um, how they can find you. Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at FreezeStats. Um, you can check out uh, my website, uh, FreezeStats.com. Um, if you got any questions, hit me up on Twitter. Um, I write for PitcherList and Fantasy Pros, so you can check me out there as well. Um, yeah, so, you know, if you got any questions, just let me know. Awesome. Well, I know you're active on Twitter, and I, I love seeing you tweet the, the articles that get me thinking and then going into uh, a StatCast spiral and spending hours and hours looking at batted ball data yeah it's a deep hole that it's hard to get out of sometimes i agree it sure is well max thanks so much for joining me this has been a lot of fun and um i just appreciate your time yeah thanks so much for having me i had a good time uh, talking baseball with you and uh, hopefully we can do it again yeah sounds great well thanks for listening everybody and um you can find me on twitter at common sense fbb um and as always stay classy planet baseball